Hello everyone and welcome to another episode of What's Happening in Travel. I'm Kerwin and I'm here with my buddy. Kushro. And today uh, we have uh, some more cool aviation information for you. And this information that we pulled from the headlines and uh, we've just given you our spin on it and trying to explain all the, the aviation side of things that makes, that makes a little more sense to you. And so before we begin, uh, Kushro is going to tell us uh, what image do you have behind you? What's your virtual image today? So this is the Rossia 744 landing at Phuket in Thailand. Yeah, uh, nice. And uh, also all the topics we're discussing in this episode have been for the week of uh, October 18th. Uh, uh, right. Today's the 25th. So it's yeah. all new information that we really have discussed before and a few updates. Exactly. Which are perfect. always a good thing. Exactly. Perfect. And, uh, and my image is um, it's the it's Penn Station. So if you've ever come out of the number two train uh, in Penn Station, this in is New what, York. in New York, City. this is what, yeah, this is what you'll see. And on the left side is uh, the Long Island Railroad, all the, um, the schedules for that. And this is a long tunnel that you walk through and it takes you all the way down to the other side, which is the, I think it's the number eight train. I miss New York. Um, but anyway, uh, we, let's begin before I get too nostalgic about New York. <laughs> Um, so years ago, I flew this airline called Jet Airways and it, you know, really good airline based in India and, um, they had some issues and they went out of business and guess what? They're coming back. What's well, going? maybe, maybe. Okay. Tell <laughs> yes. us what's going on with Jet Airways. So Jet Airways was universally regarded as the best airline in India. Um, it had great service, that a very good attitude, if you can call it that, among the crew. Um, and they gave Air India a run for their money. Unfortunately, it didn't manage its finances very well. And 18 months ago, they grounded operations. Well, this week, after months and months of wrangling and negotiation, a final one suitor was approved to uh, um, develop, as they call it, a new resolution plan huh. to manage the rebirth of Jet Airways with the airline code 9W. Uh, this was on October the 18th. It's actually a UK-based uh, company called Calrock Capital okay. and uh, a UAE entrepreneur called uh, Murari Lal Jalan. What they are going to do is they're going to devise a means to make Jet's 1 billion US dollar loans, debt rather, sustainable for the long term and kickstart procedure to relaunch the airline. Hmm. Now, um, currently India has two um, airlines, Air India and Vastara, that offer um, a full business class experience on their aircraft. Right. So Jet Airways sees this as a means to reclaim market share while the market is down, essentially because of the COVID um, pandemic. Yeah. Now, this is a terrible time to be starting a new airline. And it's going to take months, if not years, and there are no details released about 
where they're going to get the aircraft from, what sort of carrier it's going to be. Is it going to be low cost, ultra low cost, full service, or something in between? And also the routes they're going to fly. Yes. Um, I'm very surprised that this has come about. And uh, I would be extremely impressed if this, if this airline had a fast flight. But I liked Jet Airways very, very much. So I hope they have a good chance of survival and a rebirth. But time will tell if that's going to happen or not. Yeah, that's interesting. I, I did like Jet Airways as well. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be interesting to see what happens. So um, they were able to keep the, the airline code, I guess. I'm assuming so, yes. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I had, I had a, because I, there was another, sorry to interrupt. No, go ahead. There was another Indian startup called Fly Big that uh, was also a Fly Big. I know it's sort of an absurd name, <laughs> but um, I'm sure they had their reasons. Yes. Um, so this other bidder was going to, was also in the finals for Jet Airways because they were, this Fly Big is going to be a feeder airline. Um, operating on um, routes between small cities in India. Ah, okay. And they had grand visions of um, co-chairing and feeding uh, Jet Airways flights if they were selected as the bidder to revive Jet. So I don't know how this affects their plans, but um, as I said, sooner or later, we'll find out. Yeah, Flybig is supposed to start in December 2020. You talked about this a few weeks ago, actually. No. Yeah, that's crazy. It's crazy that um, they would even just they would even consider this. But I guess when you have a lot of money backers, financial yep. backers, and I guess the airplanes are. But didn't Qatar give them money at some point? Uh, it was Etihad. Etihad, okay. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yes, they did. Yeah, well, we know Etihad doesn't have any. But money unfortunately, Etihad doesn't have now. a very good track track record yeah. for the airlines they invest in. Huh. So, another crazy, our, our crazy industry is at it again. All right, speaking of our crazy industry, and uh, this is probably my best story that we have for this for this week, is Singapore Airlines is restarting the world's longest flight, Singapore to New York City. But guess what? Kusha is going to tell us why this is a big deal again. Well. So, Big change is that um, they've moved from Newark, which is the hub for Continental for United Airlines, <laughs> you uh, which Continental. is <laughs> a code, a code, which is part of the Star Alliance, and they've moved to JFK. So it's going to be Singapore to JFK, which is two miles longer than Singapore to Newark. But Singapore is not celebrating this supposed new longest flight because the block hours for the JFK flight are, is five minutes shorter than Singapore Newark. Is so, it shorter? I thought it was longer. I thought it was longer mileage wise but yeah. shorter block hour wise. <laughs> so that's why Singapore is not making a big to-do about um, it's still the, the longest, new though. longest flight. Yeah. But it is the longest flight in there current system because I don't believe they have restarted Newark again. 
And the reason they've chosen JFK is because um, they have a cargo facility at that airport, which they do not have at Newark. And another big difference is that they are flying a regularly configured Airbus 350-900 on this route. Because for the Newark route, they had the, the ultra long range, the ULR, mm-hmm. uh, that they are not using for this uh, JFK flight. So this has um, a 42-24-187 configuration for business, uh, premium economy and economy. Um, and it's got a brand new flight number. So they have not um, just switched flight numbers from New York to JFK. Um, but they expect to be carrying cargo on this day. Oh, yeah. I think that's the only reason why they're doing it. <laughs> right. So which makes, which then begs the question, why did they order this ULR aircraft for a business premium configuration only for Newark, if the regular 359 can do this route. This is what's confusing. I, do, I don't get that. When I saw that, I go, huh? Uh, is it because they wanted to make more, more, more premium service off of this flight? Because remember that New York, that Newark flight, uh, it's actually gone through a few iterations. Yes, because, because they, they started with the 345. They but and initially it was just Raffles class and uh, right. and uh, super. It's not super economy, but something economy. Um, and then it went to all business. So then it was a hundred seats, and then it disappeared. And now it yeah. came back with the ULR. Uh, and I actually flew the ULR um, uh, back in January, just before COVID happened. And um, that one had the, the business class, which we spoke about that didn't give me any amenity kits, um, <laughs> which they're now given amenity kits. So it's quite interesting. Um, but one of the things that I don't understand with this is from, a, um, from an operational standpoint. So fine, they have a, a, a JFK cargo thing, a cargo thing at JFK airport uh, because they used to fly Frankfurt um, Frankfurt. That has not gone away. Frankfurt. It's just not operating currently. So right. JFK, Frankfurt, Singapore. That's not and, gone away. And that was on the A380 <laughs> that they used to use to fly yes. that route. And I was actually going to take that, but it was more expensive uh, in terms of miles. So I didn't bother doing that. And I wanted to fly the longest flight. So a lot of stuff don't make any sense to us because we don't know the full picture of what they're doing. But remember that this is oper- this is starting up... Um, Fairly November 9th. November 9th, yeah. It's like two weeks yeah. ago. Two weeks and, ago. Um, two weeks. It's not open to everybody. So only for Americans, it's only American citizens with permanent residence in Singapore. Well, well right. But so other that, nationalities, provided that they um, um, are compliant with Singapore regulations, yeah. can board this aircraft. This so it's all the COVID. I mean, it's clearly a cargo flight, right? I mean... If it wasn't a cargo flight, they'd fly to Newark. So it's clearly a cargo flight. Um, the other piece too is that, is this why United had switched to JFK, open JFK, so they could ferry passengers? <laughs> Maybe. Uh, you don't see any smoke in a fire, right? And then how long are they gonna have this flight? Are they gonna return the Newark yeah. flight? You know, so there's a- So they say, 
and they're going to return um, JFK Frankfurt. Somewhere. Yeah. So now this, okay. But I don't think that's happening in the next year. Or no, two, no. Or three. So, I mean, I figure one thing they go, hey, you know what? We need to get some cargo moving because we're not moving any cargo. And, uh, but I used to move cargo from Europe to, to the US and this flight is nonstop. So they're losing that Europe to the US cargo business. I don't think people realize how much money is in cargo <laughs> and how much cargo these airlines carry. Oh, wow. Okay. So we'll keep looking for that story. And I am going to write my story. I just, this week was really bad. So I didn't get a chance to do it, but I'm going to write my review of that flight. And uh, so that's interesting. It'll be also be interesting to see how much is the, um, the miles to take that flight. Okay. It was 101,000 miles for the... Very different, though. Yeah, for the SLR. Um, the SLR there. But it's the same It's the same dumb business the camera, that they have right? in the other one, right? It's a Singapore business, so it's not... I don't think it's any yeah. different. Um, uh, did they state what the fares are going to be like? No, they did not. Okay. And I yeah, didn't check. Yeah, okay, that's all good. Because I know that you could have gotten... Like for a thousand dollars, you could actually get the premium economy fare uh, on the Newark one. All right, so, so November, November night, we'll look out for this one. Um, okay, more Singapore news. Um, they were, uh, well, you know, clearly they're trying to restart the business and trying to make some money. And so they started to do this restaurant thing, which apparently is now a big hit. So what's going on with that? Actually, this is my favorite story of the week. I know okay. it's trivial, but it was on the BBC News, actually. Kushro loves so, his food, by the way. Sorry? <laughs> I was there that Kushro loves his food. <laughs> yes, I do. Especially Asian food. But anyway, um, so we talked about this a few weeks ago, that um, a lot of Asian countries and airlines have these flights to nowhere to raise a little bit of revenue and also put the aircraft through its bases and right. crew. Singapore wanted to do that, but they were, um, they bowed to pressure from environmentalists about the um, carbon uh, impact of flying flights to nowhere for no reason. So what they did instead, which I thought was brilliant, is that they, offered their A380, they have two of them at Singapore Changi, open for sale as restaurants. Right. And they called it restaurant at 380. Um, so they announced two days of um, dinner service on the 24th and 25th of October. And of course, um, there are about 400 seats, 400 places open for sale. And they've sold out within 30 minutes. Insane. So subsequently, um, they announced an additional 900 places for lunch and dinner on the 24th, 25th, um, and October 31st and November 1st. Uh, so yesterday, the 24th was the first day of... Um, lunch and dinner service. And right. they had um, 400 people um, attend the meal service, if you like, on the flight. And the meal started at US dollars 37 
per person in economy, 67 US dollars in premium economy, 300 US, sorry, 220 US dollars in business class, and 442 US dollars for upper deck suites. That's not too bad, Krishna, when you think about it, right? People for a meal? A yeah, but people spend a lot of money on food. Yes, they do. They do. I mean, like, you know, for those business class meals, I mean, when you get a good bottle of wine. Yeah. But $37 for an economy class meal, that's not bad. Yeah. I mean, right? They were saying the fluff, the fares, the fluff, the, they interviewed some of the people mm -hmm. after the meal, and they said it was very good. But of course, they're going to say it's very good. Well, they're hardly going to badmouth it after they spend it. <laughs> but anyway, they had 200 staff from Singapore Airlines volunteer for this uh, event. Mm -hmm. And all the lunch attendees um, had to hand over their passports and also go through the usual security screening. And they got a tour of the aircraft and the cockpit. I think that's nice. Very was nice. It, Very so, nice. So yeah. was it? Did they just sit in the seats? See, so you had yes, they did. Seats? Okay. Yes, and everyone was socially distant, so they couldn't fill the aircraft with full That's, capacity. So there was a seat, except for business, I guess. With you could sit. Well, the business they had, they had the suites on that, so you could actually That's sit correct. in the seats on the upper deck. Yes, oh, those dude. things are huge. I would have paid four hundred and forty-two dollars for that. Have you seen? What would you have used for money? Uh, well, I don't know. I'd have to figure it out. But, dude. That's the Singapore Airlines suite. No wonder it went just like that. Because, you know. And you could access the IFE, by the way. The in-flight entertainment. Yes, that's a few thousand dollars for that suite. I mean, I mean, like I was talking about the mileage, right? It's 101,000 miles. And when I was trying to, to do the Newark flight. Yeah, for 18, 19 hours. This is for two hours or three hours. But, but, but it's a Singapore suite for $400. I mean... Hello, the, the non-worth ticket for New York to Singapore is $500 <laughs> in economy class. <laughs> I want some of your money. Uh, well, you know, I'm, well, I mean, you know, I, I, don't have I don't have money, but the other people here, the, our audience does. I, yes, audience, I'm sure they do. Audience, tell us, do you think it's a bad deal to pay $442 for dinner? A person. Per person for dinner on a Singapore Airlines A380 suite, right? And the suites are the suites you have your own thing, your own partition uh, thing. Oh, you, you got, I'm sure they gave you the, the, the suit. What do you call that thing? The sleep yeah, suit or something? Uh, yeah. Yes. Oh, dude. That's a deal. That's a deal. No wonder it sold out. <laughs> Sorry, I hope we hear more updates on how oh. the. Other dates do? Score, total score. I, I'm, I'm a big fan of Singapore Airlines, despite the fact that they didn't give me my business class and my etiquette, but I'm still a big or fan. Or entitled you. Dude, I paid for it. It took me five years to get those miles. Five years. Yeah, whatever. So it's not like- Let's I, move on. It's not like I got a free flight. That was a five-year <laughs> investment. So it's like, come on. Um, oh, you can tell I, I'm excited about that. <laughs> I actually want you to go for this. See? For my economy meal. I, wait, wait. I would have paid to go to Singapore if I could so I could get on that flight. Dude, that was so... That, it wasn't a flight, really. It was an aircraft. It's a flight. It just didn't, it didn't <laughs> fly anywhere. 
<laughs> and and you know, and people are like, and people are giving them a hard time about this, right? All they wanted to do was to get some cycles on the engine, and people gave them yeah. us. So you know what's gonna happen? They're still gonna fly the plane anyway because they have to get some cycles on the engine. <laughs> people just don't get it anyway. Um, uh, all right. So this was good news, I think. Yes, that's good news. And and oh, dude, we can't read the next one. The next one is not good news. Uh, yes, we're, we're gonna take you downhill for a little bit. Uh, so one of my other favorite airlines in the um, in uh, well. uh, the world and in Asia is Cathay Pacific, and uh, they've been going through a lot of stuff um, the last you know since COVID started, and, and before that with all the protests in Hong Kong. Oh, right, exactly. So um, they've been, been besieged, Cathay Pacific. Well. Yeah. And, and they even had like another airline, which is Dragonair, and they became Cathay Dragon. And so Chris is going to tell you what's going on with Cathay now. So to, this week, um, they announced their restructuring. It was widely expected to be announced. Yeah. But what was most surprising is that overnight, they shut down Cathay Dragon, the old Dragonair. Uh, now, um, Cathay Dragon, for those of your audience who are not entirely familiar, was the regional arm of Cathay Pacific. And they operated flights to uh, the non-large Chinese cities. They did Taipei from Hong yeah, Kong. Yeah, and all the regional cities in Asia, all the way from Japan down to um, the Philippines and that part of the world. Great airline, by the way. So I've never flown them. So yeah, I bet if they were anything like Cathay Pacific. Yeah, uh, I, I flew the expected. short Hong Kong Taipei flight and they were actually quite good. So they, Cathay Pacific is or was composed of three airlines, Cathay Pacific Mainline, Cathay Dragon and Hong Kong Express, which was okay. the uh, low cost carrier that they bought last year. So overall, they reduced um, 8,500 positions, which translated to about 5,900 actual jobs, so about 17% of their total headcount um, this week. Um, in Hong Kong, 5,300 people lost their jobs. Wow. But as I said um, a little earlier, that the biggest news was that uh, Cathay Dragon was dissolved immediately. Yeah, that's huge. And uh, they were burning through cash at the rate of about 230 million US dollars a, uh, a month, which works out to about seven and a half million, sorry, that was Hong Kong dollars, which works out to about seven and a half million US dollars a day. And they expect that these, these changes or these cuts will um, slice about $6.5 million per day um, of expenses. However, what was even more disturbing is that they expect the first half of 2021 to operate at a cumulative load factor of 25%. Wow. Increasing to under 50% in uh, full year 2021. They also released the September passenger counts, their traffic, and it was 98% down year over year. So again, this brings back what you 
talked about in the previous episode about people just not being comfortable enough to fly. Right. Just Despite all the safety and yeah. uh, health issues that airlines have been promoting. But um, this was big news for um, the world and yeah, that's... Asia in particular. Wow. <clears throat> That is a that that is that is a big blow to the, um, yes. to the economy and, and all crew um, and staff are now subject to uh, salary reductions, and of course the pilots have been protesting um, loudly about this, but I doubt they will have much of a choice in this regard because yeah. it's the very survival of Cathay Pacific that is right. at stake. Yeah, and that is the premier airline, I think. Of China, uh, and specifically Hong Kong. Uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, I'm I'm just that's a that's a that's a huge one. Um, yeah, that's um, you you can, <laughs> I I I have, I'm getting flashes of flying into Hong Kong and flying into the airport and figuring that like everything there is Cathay Pacific primarily. Um, that is a major blow to the economy on in, yes. in Hong Kong. Absolutely. Um, because, you know, just driving around the airport there, there's a huge facility. Their headquarters is right there at the airport. And so, um, and even like, and Cathay Dragon being gone. And Cathay Dragon is new. Like, they just set it up. They just changed the color. They have even painted all the aircraft. I, I know, right? It's like Repainted this, all the aircraft. Yeah. So that's a big one. That's a really, really, really big one. Um, and so when, when you were talking about the money they were losing, so they're losing what, seven million a day? And how, yes. much was, how much was the US airlines? It was like, was it four million some were losing? The US carriers were- um, From the stuff you just gave? Well, American was 44 million. Um, Southwest was 16. Alaska was 4 million. United was 21 million. And Delta was 24 million, all per day. Remember, Cathay doesn't have a lot of uh, flights, not like the U.S. airlines. Well, well, right, but you know, I mean, they like, they serve quite a bit of Asia. I mean, you can get from Hong yes, Kong to, every, to everywhere, absolutely. and they go to nothing Europe. in comparison yeah. to what the U.S. carriers do. Yeah, they come to the U.S. I mean, a lot of their routes are long, long haul routes, of course, because you know. Yeah, and all international. In uh, yes, that's right. <laughs> Everything is international. Um, yeah. Wow, that's a huge one. And and the, the thing that people don't think about is, um, so it's not just the airline, right? So when that when that affects Cathay, there's a train server that goes from the uh, station the to the into the city. There are bus services that goes from there to the city. There are taxi cabs that go into the city. There are ferries that go around. Plus the, the kitchen staff, uh, the airport staff. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's like all these attractions. Tourism hotels. There's a convention center <laughs> at, at the airport. Um, yeah, it's, and it's also expensive to live in Hong Kong. So with all these 30% salary cuts, a lot of people may not be able to yeah. afford living in Hong Kong. Well, you know what the thing with Hong Kong, though, is that the, the, the locals, they live in these high rises and there's these very, True. Dense, very dense high but, rises. So I don't think... But almost everyone does, though, right? Yeah. I, I mean, you have to be a multi-millionaire to afford a like a standalone house or a villa. Um, I, mm, yes. Do you know, you know who lives in Hong Kong? 
the guy who owns AliExpress, Alibaba, the guy who owns that, he lives. Oh, in Jack Ma. Yeah, Jack Ma. He lives in Hong Kong. Yeah, yeah actually, you can um, when you if if you decide to walk. But he's like a billionaire. Yeah. Well. And you're digressing. Well, but it's related, right? Because you're talking about not people, really. You're talking, yeah, it is. You're talking about people who have money and living in Hong Kong, and um, you have a lot of people. He who has live. probably a private jet. He's not going to fly. Kevin. Uh, but he still lives in Hong Kong. He has a nice place. You can uh, you walk right by it when you, <laughs> you go from when you go up to oh. the to the peak from there. But I mean, but Hong Kong. I mean, you know, I don't know what the cost of places in Hong Kong are. Um, but you know everything is a high rise. I mean, they, yeah. they do have the house and dining. And but as you move outside of the you know the hub where everybody goes yeah. to, um, you know you have some nice houses out there. So it's interesting. Um, wow, that's a big one. That's a big bad one. All right, um, let's go on to our next story. Is this one bad too? Uh, Not really. It uh, depends what you're talking about. Virgin Australia, what's going on? No, I don't think it's a bad thing. It's an uncertain thing. All right, let's hear it. So, um, Virgin Australia, again, we talked about this a few months ago. They went into administration mm-hmm. uh, and they were bought over by Bain Capital, an investment firm based in the US. So, under the conditions of the purchase, Virgin Australia is going to abandon all its long haul flying and um, settle on a one fleet type, which is turns out is the 737-800 aircraft. Not surprising, since that's what they had. Yeah. But they have um, shifted their position in the market from being uh, a, a strict competitor to Qantas, in that they offer a lie-flat business cabin, to being a more of a mid-level carrier. Okay. So what they're going to do is that they are going to shift from offering all-inclusive fares to um, unbundled fares. And they've used Air New Zealand as a model for their new pricing strategy. For instance, Air New Zealand will sell you a seat only, and then the next fare level will be a seat with baggage and meals and Wi-Fi and whatever. Yeah, like everybody else, right? Yeah. Well, like a lot of other carriers. Yeah. I wouldn't say everybody else, but a lot of others. So um, what they also mentioned is that they were going to curtail their um, lounge uh, situation. Now, what they didn't specify was how many lounges are they going to cut? Because um, this directly impacts Qantas as well. Because now with no other competition on transcontinental flights in Australia, they are suspecting that Qantas may move down market, try and save some costs and instead not offer life flats from, let's say, Perth to Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne, wherever. Yeah, that would be costly. Although it's like a three and a half hour flight or four hour flight, right? It's much more than that. Yeah, the cross-countries. So, um, you, so Virgin is now going to pretty much resemble more Jetstar, which is the low-cost arm of Qantas, uh, than uh, Qantas itself. And in fact, Jetstar um, gets 
or got 24% of its 2019 passenger revenue from add-ons. And that adds up on average to about 26 Australian dollars per passenger. Hmm. So um, it will be interesting to see how this works out. But no longer will Virgin Australia have uh, life lad business seats or celebrity chef or oh, all that. Um, the marketplace can't 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 yes. stand that. Right? But the one thing I do want to say is that Virgin did specify that their business fairs are going to be all inclusive. Oh, for the most part, yes. Well, I would hope as opposed so. to the economy class fairs. Yeah, I mean, I, I, businessmen I, are not going to quibble over Wi-Fi and yeah, seat assignment. Want, and, once I buy a business class fare, and airlines need to get away from that, right? Uh, one, one of the, I don't want to say a good thing, but one of the things that came out of all this is that airlines realized how stupid a lot of things that they were doing was. It's like, yeah. if, I'm a, if I'm a business class passenger, just give me everything that I paid you for. Don't be telling me I can't have this. You know, don't be not giving me an amenity kit. If I wanted that, I would have gone to economy class, right? And so um, yeah. I think they're getting a, a kick in the pants for a lot of the stupid stuff that they were that they were doing, and I hope they're learning from it. Yeah. Um, because remember now Rex is starting as well. Yeah. Regional Express. Again, we talked about this. Like an two episode weeks ago? or two ago, yeah. yeah. The, the thing I'm thinking about this though, Kosho, is um, something's got to give between Jetstar and Qantas, right? I mean, if Jetstar, well, if Jetstar is a low-cost arm of Qantas, Qantas isn't flying internationally because the country is closed. Right, except, know, except for cargo. Or, uh, did they open the bubble to New Zealand? Yes. Um, so except for New Zealand then. Um, but And Qantas is flying domestic, though, <clears throat> based um, on state uh, regulations. Regulations and stuff, right? Yeah. So, yeah, but I don't think that can sustain Jetstar and Qantas at the same time and Rex and Virgin Australia. Somebody's going to give. Yeah, but see, they've been doing it for a while, though. And it seems to work, this airline within an airline uh, concept uh, seems to work everywhere except the U.S. I mean, look true. at Japan with um, Zip Air that we talked about and JAL and Peach yeah. with ANA, then Hong Kong. <laughs> Uh, Hong Kong Express with Cathay Pacific, Singapore yeah. Airlines and Scoot. It seems to work. Well, I guess the financing is probably <laughs> very different. Um, although when I flew, uh, Singapore has changed Scoot because when they started, they distanced themselves from Scoot. And now it's not the same. I mean, it's like you can get some Singapore Airlines Chris Flyer perks from flying Scoot now, which you never had before. Um, mm. But I, th I think... I mean, Australia is a small place. And if you can't, um, if you're well, not getting... small population. Okay, well, small Enormous population. country. Yes. Um, but I mean, you know, in, in terms of who it transports, I don't <clears> think <throat> the country can sustain... Four carriers. Yeah, the wreck, especially now, right? I mean, probably before yeah. because you had people coming from all over the place. But now just with people going around Australia, especially with all the restriction that they are... Mm -hmm. I don't think they can they can um, sustain that. Um, so it's going to be interesting to watch to see what happens. Um, yeah. Hmm. Yeah, that's a weird one indeed. Uh, all right. Uh, oh, that's it we have for airplanes. We have one more thing to tell you guys, and this is about aircrafts. 
uh, and I keep saying aircraft, aircraft. Um, uh, so Kusho says, Montreal in Canada and mobile in the US now have something in common. Is this mobile Alabama? Yes. And Montreal, Quebec? Yes. Uh, I can't even guess what they have in common other than that they start with M. Are they sister cities now? What's going on? Oh, it's aircraft. So, oh, wait, let me guess. The A220 is going to be built uh, in both cities. Well, it was built. And they had their first delivery of the U.S. assembled aircraft to Delta Airlines this week. Ah, uh, there you which go. Was, which was an A220-300. Um, and, then, and then they parked it. <laughs> No, no. Uh, in fact, one of Houston is one of the first cities they're flying it to. But I thought they were, they were going to park the A220s. Didn't we? I think one of our stories. A portion of them because of the pilot layoffs. Oh, that's too funny. Sorry, go ahead. So, but um, they started the final assembly. Uh, this is Airbus. So it, they've really expanded their uh, global reach. Yeah. And uh, so they did the groundbreaking of the final assembly line for the Airbus 220 in January last year, 2019. And they started official production in uh, August, 2019. Um, and the first flight, the inaugural flight of the first um, Alabama assembled 220 took place in June. Yeah. So, so far Airbus in Bombardier have um, trained about 400 employees, US employees, to work on the 220. And most of that has been done in Montreal, uh, which of okay. course is the original and the main um, assembly and delivery location for the 220, which was of course the old Bombardier CS right. aircraft. Huh. Um, so Delta of course is the largest customer of this aircraft, 95 planes on order. And as of September, um, Airbus has delivered, Airbus and Bombardier has de delivered 123 aircraft to uh, seven carriers worldwide. But um, this was a PR statement from Airbus about their growing industrial footprint in North America. Right. But um, and it also avoids the tariffs that Boeing was threatening to pressure Airbus into a few years ago. But look how the tables have turned. I know, right? I know. It's um, See, this means in a cushion, don't be nasty to people because it comes around and bites you in the butt later. Yep. Um, you know, the whole Embraer thing blew up in their face. And yeah. And, and, and Bombardier and found success with Airbus. We've been in the industry long enough to see that, to see that happen, uh, you know, where- Time um, and time again, but yet yeah. companies don't seem to learn. But yeah, because people don't, like, everybody has this ego, right? And it's like, you know, stop the competition at all costs without thinking about the industry as, as a whole and also thinking the things in the future. So, um, well, you know, I, I guess the good thing is that it's jobs of people in mobile. So- um, Yeah, absolutely. You know, so that's- Absolutely. Yeah, because um, though yeah, Mobile and and um, Pasigula and those towns in Alabama is all is all military stuff that goes on. Yeah. So this is good. Um, in fact, JetBlue had their first Airbus two twenty rollout this week in Mobile. I did see that one, and did that one come from Mobile as well? Yeah. Okay. 
Yeah, so that's interesting. So, so I believe it... all American orders are going to be uh, delivered from Mobile. Uh, okay. And the rest of the world is going to go from from Montreal for now. Okay, which I guess, which I guess makes sense because then the U.S. don't have to ferry them across, right? Um, to get in, uh, very cool. Um, and there's all sorts of tax implications as well. Again, yes. yes. <clears throat> and so, so the funny thing about these, well, um, the, those airplanes probably have to fly to Canada first, sit for twenty four <laughs> hours, and then fly back to the U.S. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, in the previous episode, I was trying to look up my KLM flight, but I can't find it. I flight, I I found flight seven four seven one, seven four seven three, but those are triple sevens and seven eight nine. So I have to go back and we're trying to look in flight radar. Um, okay, but uh, I guess um, the the two yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens to the two twenty. The reason I was saying that they're going to fly them, they're going to just. Um, receive them and then park them is because we had spoken about them last, last uh, time okay. ago, that they were parking the 220. So it's like, oh, here's a new 220. Crap. What am I going to do with the other ones I have over here? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, in, in Jamaica, we say uh, we have to take bad things, make laugh because there's not much else you can do about it, right? Because the industry is just going so crazy. But um, no. at least the good thing is that, you know, some, some more people are employed. And speaking of employed, um, was that all you had under 220? Yes, I did. Okay. So um, I know that a number of you listeners have been uh, laid off uh, because of all the airlines, uh, that the airlines are going crazy. And so what I've done, I created a page called passrider.com slash jobs. And on this page, I've kind of gone out and looked and seen what, uh, what companies are hiring and all that kind of stuff and have a list in there. And one of the things to check is about remote jobs. And so uh, I'm going to add some more resources. So passrather.com slash jobs, uh, go check it out. And um, you know, one of the things you have to think about is how do I take the skill that I know and use it in today's marketplace? Because a lot of you are very gifted and you have a lot of customer service skills that you can use. And even if you're like a lawyer for an airline, maybe you can go uh, be a lawyer for another company. So who knows? Um, one of the things that somebody had mentioned that if you're a pilot, that you could probably, uh, I know you guys hate drones, um, but there are Can a lot of- Can you blame them? Huh? Can you blame them? I can't blame them at all. Um, but in the marketplace, um, if you want to fly a drone um, you know, for work uh, in the US, because drones have done, it's like anything else, right? Some things are really, um, like, there's nothing wrong with drones. It's the people who, who fly them in the wrong places, right? Um, because what drones have done, they've actually shown you really great images of places that you'd never see before. Like for real estate, you can do, mm. you can take real estate photos. Um, but the problem is that people are using them and flying them too high and flying them at airports and things like that and turning off the safety protocols that are in them. But I say- Do well, I need to bring you back on track uh, well, again? No, no, but this is on track. Um, I say this because um, as pilots who've been laid off, um, you can think of how you can use your pilot skills um, to maybe do online courses, maybe educate people about aviation and uh, maybe educate young children who uh, want to learn how to fly and do ground school and things like that. So there's quite a bit of things that you can do. And one of them is, um, 
for you to get your drone license, you have to actually take a, a course and it's almost like a ground school of, uh, of flying. And it's really very difficult. So that might be uh, something that you guys can do. So go to passwater.com slash jobs and check that out. And, um, you know, again, don't forget to go to iTunes and download iTunes um, and download the podcast, What's Happening in Travel. You can search for us and give us some kind of rating and a review and let us know how we're doing. Uh, Are you still there or have they renamed it again? Um, they've called it music. I think it's called Apple Music now. I don't even think I store it. I, but all the servers are still called iTunes. Well, okay. the Why do they need to relabel, rename these things when iTunes worked just fine? I think things just evolved. I think it's because now you have... Um, iTunes was about selling music, right? So you could buy like one song. And they've evolved from buying one song. So now what they have is music. So you have Apple Music and you have Apple Podcasts and you have Apple TV. So you see where they're going with that. So it's so, all the distinct. Apple yeah. Music is distinct. Yeah, they're, they're actually a, a distinct, <clears throat> it's, it's a distinct app. So you go to Apple Music okay. for all the music stuff, but you can still play your podcast through that. But you also have Apple Podcasts, which is where all the podcasts is sitting. And there are little icons on your phone. So the Apple Music uh, one is like red and blue, okay. and gray. And then the, the podcast one is purple, with a little microphone or something like that. It looks like a microphone. Yeah. And then Apple TV has Apple TV. So they're all different. Um, but let me ask again of your uh, listeners, please provide feedback. Yes. Well, well, that's the thing. If they go to Apple Podcasts, they can provide review or you can go to just just go to passfather.com slash WHIT and send us a, a note. And I'm going to actually probably going to send an email out and say, hey, go listen to the episode and tell us, do you like it or not? Because uh, otherwise we're just going to keep babbling. <laughs> we are going to keep babbling? Uh, well, okay, fine. I'm going to keep babbling. <laughs> That's more like it. Uh, all right. And um, we actually have a very cool episode coming up. Like our, our the, the next episode is going to be a really awesome episode. We're going to have a friend of ours on it. We're not going to tell you who it is just yet. Um, but we're going to have a friend of ours we've been working with for a very long time. And uh, he's been in the industry probably as long as we have. And um, uh, that's all I'm going to tell you because I want you to listen to the next episode. <laughs> so we're signing off for this episode. Uh, this is Kerwin and my buddy. For sure. And uh, that's another episode of What's Happening in Travel recorded on Sunday, October 25th. See you guys soon. <laughs>